Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Super Bowl. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It's Monday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day, 2022. The nothing personal word of the day is Super Bowl. There's nothing better for a baseball executive than the Monday morning after the Super Bowl because you've had enough. You always pretend, oh, I'm a big NFL fan. I love it. I love when people love sports. It's a bunch of horse hockey because the Super Bowl takes over the narrative in sports football is the behemoth that we can never catch but we try to catch as an industry we know that it's never going to happen so then we say you know what we're good until september even though you've got mini camp then you've got preseason but i would always get that out of my mind and i would say we're now good till september it's all baseball from february to september and once september comes even though football starting if your team is good then you're in the pennant race and then you head toward October. Of course, during the summer, you're rooting for the NBA team in your city not to be good, so the NBA season can end in April, and then you've got May, June, July, August. It's why I was always so upset. I know I told you all this. The worst day of my career in Florida was the day of the decision when LeBron James was coming to the Miami Heat. I, I, was, I know exactly. I was in a team hotel, and I was leaving for lunch on a game day, and he went live. Coca will remind me if he can find it. Of course, we didn't discuss this pre-show because I'm just thinking of it now. But when he announced the decision, I was heading somewhere, and I just, he said it, I'm taking my talents to South Beach, and I said, my God, the Marlins are now second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth fiddle, which is so depressing. July 8th of 2000, God, it was that long ago? July 8th of 10? Holy shnikes. All right, if you want a recap of the Super Bowl, go watch CBS Sports HQ or ESPN Sports Center. I'm not giving you a recap. I'm giving you my own view of things that happened during the Super Bowl that I found interesting. And I'm going to do my top five takeaways of Super Bowl 56. This was a Super Bowl I've been looking forward to for, I don't know, 20 years, maybe more, because um, I like numbers, and 56 is my all-time favorite football number because that was Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor, the player, not Lawrence Taylor, the man. And I figured Super Bowl 56, it would be amazing if the Giants were in it when I was a huge Giants fan. Of course, I knew a few years ago that was not going to happen, but I really wanted this to be a memorable game with memorable teams I'm not so sure that we will remember the Rams, Bengals as anything other than a one-off. Joe Burrow could get back there. Who knows what will happen with the Rams, with salary cap and free agency, etc. But top five takeaways of this year's Super Bowl. Number five. 
Aaron Donald may retire. So Aaron Donald is the best player in football. He is the best defensive player. He's the best overall player. He wins defensive player of the year pretty much every year. He is a game changer in the way Lawrence Taylor was. So I found that fitting that he was playing in Super Bowl 56. All he wanted was a ring. He was the focus of the TV coverage. But there was a story that, and it was like a, 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 you know, before a game starts, this is always good. The producers who produce the games always say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the booth. We're going to have Al Michaels, the play-by-play guy, who's doing his last game for NBC as he moves to Amazon with Chris Collinsworth. And they're going to talk a little bit. And then we're going to send it down. And we're not going to have one sideline reporter. We're going to go two. We're going to get two reports. And usually it's, hey, I spoke to the coach pregame, and he said, we're ready. I spoke to this player, and they are ready to show the world, blah, blah, blah. It's usually nothing additive. If you're not Jenny or Amanda, basically you're not acceptable as a sideline reporter. Okay. So they go down. They get the report from the Rams. And out of nowhere, and it's out of nowhere for me because I'd never heard it, Aaron Donald has said that it's possible if the Rams win this game, he would retire. What? Is it possible an athlete would retire at the top of his game? It would be Tom Brady dropping the mic once he won the Super Bowl with Tampa last year, Super Bowl 55 in Tampa, where he retires and then doesn't start with his usual crap, which he's already doing. Oh, I may come back. I may not come back. Never say never. Rob Gronkowski. Brady may wait a few years and then come back when he's 62 years old, older than George Blanda. Oh, maybe he's going to come back next year. Tampa, should they trade for Deshaun Watson? Maybe they're going to trade for Russell Wilson. Maybe they won't trade for anyone because they're going to wait to see whether Tom Brady comes back. Boring. So, Aaron Donald may retire. The game ends. He points at his finger. Instead of saying, I'm going to Disney World, he says, I'm going to Tiffany. And he shows where he's going to wear the ring. And he's crying and everything's fine. Everything's great. And he's asked the question post-game. Could this be it? And wouldn't you know it, guess what he said. What every player says, why do sideline reporters ask impending free agents after a big game, so what are your plans? Do you think you'll be back next year? And every player says the same thing. And yet, for whatever reason, there are producers who think that that's not boring for the audience to hear. Aaron Donald says, well, I'm just going to enjoy the moment. (laughs) That's what they all say. It's like in the pamphlet. If you're getting paid to say you're going to Disney World, you say that. If you're not getting paid and you may retire, you may go to another team, you just say, hey, I'm going to enjoy the moment. Well, I'll give you a wait to see. There's nothing harder in the world than the examples you can basically put on your one hand, even if you're missing some fingers, of athletes who have retired at the pinnacle, at the top. Aaron Donald will not add his name to that list. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. If it does, we revisit it. If it doesn't, we revisit it. Aaron Donald will come back and will not retire. He will play in 2022 or 22, 23 or 22, whatever the word is, whatever. The fact of the matter is the only thing better than your first championship ring is going for your second. Number four, how about the trade that sent Jared Goff 
plus two first-rounders and a third-rounder to the Detroit Lions for a guy who had won a total number of playoff games equaling zilch. Now, Matthew Stafford was always known as a good quarterback on a bad team, which means if you have a good team and a good quarterback, you have a better chance. Always better to have a good defense as well. But you bring him in. Jared Goff, obviously, is someone who had brought the team to the Super Bowl. And now he is a Ram. So do you know that Stafford comes to the Rams, wins the Super Bowl, and all anyone would talk about, which sort of drove me crazy as a Packers fan, is that Matthew frickin' Stafford has the same number of Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what to say about that. It's true. Matthew Stafford came to the Rams. The Rams went all in, and the Rams won a Super Bowl by trading their Super Bowl quarterback of only two years ago. And all the people who think they know how to run a team, and all the people who think that their trades that they would make are trades that they wouldn't make, Sometimes you have to get lucky and sometimes you have to believe in your scouting and sometimes you have to take the chance and the Rams did that and Matthew Stafford led the Rams team on that last drive of the game to win 23-20 on a like 15 play eight minute drive. We're not a recap show, but suffice it to say he was good enough to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback when Jared Goff went to the Lions And you know how the Lions did. They got a lot of kneecaps bitten off, but that's about it. So my fourth takeaway is that sometimes you've got to be willing to take the chance. Number three, third Super Bowl takeaway. I never thought that I would live to see the day, but it happened on February 13th, 2022, when OBJ would cry. Odell Beckham Jr., who has been the subject of absolute hatred. Giants fans can't stand him. Browns fans can't stand him. He is a player who reminded me a little bit of James Harden. I only want to play where I want to play, when I want to play, and when I don't want to play, you better trade me because I'm going to... He's not quite at the Antonio Brown level, not even close, but he has certainly had his share of issues. As a matter of fact, I single-handedly blame Odell Beckham for the downfall of the Giants because I believe that since they got caught in Miami on that yacht, I don't know if you remember that, there was that picture of Odell Beckham Coco. When was that? He was on a yacht getting a photo taken of him, and they were supposed to be preparing for a game, as I recall. Anyway, I don't believe the Giants have actually won even eight games since that happened, but certainly no playoff games. So Beckham gets caught jettisoned by the Browns, gets picked up by the Rams. That was in January of 17. Thank you, Coca. Why were they doing that? It was in Miami because I was in Miami about to start what I knew would be my last year in baseball. And I remember seeing that. I can't remember what the circumstances were, but I thought it was something about they were doing that before the wild card game. Thank you, Coca. I appreciate that. They were playing the Packers. I'm sure the Packers kicked their ass. Anyway, OBJ gets released by the Browns. They couldn't be happier to get rid of him. And then he becomes a performing player for the Rams. He has a route across the middle, untouched, no contact. Down goes Frazier. Down goes Frazier. 
Odell Beckham Jr. hurt his knee, was out for the rest of the game, which, by the way, we'll learn later in the show, totally screwed my over five and a half prop pick. It wasn't a pick, it was a thought. So a third takeaway is Odell Beckham Jr.'s getting a ring. He may have a torn ACL again, but he got a ring, and he has left legions of fans in his wake, legions of despondent fans in his wake. My second takeaway, you're going to find out later today what the ratings were for the Super Bowl. It's the overnight ratings. Did you know they now count out-of-home viewing? It's no longer just people who have that Nielsen box where they have a log and they write down, yes, I was watching the Super Bowl from 842 to 857. Oh, how many people did that? Oh, 10 million, 30 million, 100 million? This Super Bowl will be the highest rated Super Bowl of all time in terms of number of people watching of all time. That's my prediction. I guess we could make it an official wait to see, Coke. It's up to you if you put it in the document. Do I have to actually say, wait to see, the number of people watching yesterday's Super Bowl will be the biggest ever? And Roger Goodell is sitting there talking to Russell Wilson during the game. They showed that plus the usual number of celebrities. Roger Goodell's thinking to himself, my God, we can't be touched. MLB's in the middle of a lockout. NBA is, they're fine. But we are a behemoth. We can have the worst press leading up to the Super Bowl of all time. Two totally nondescript teams, one from a market that they don't really care about anything, and two from a small market in the middle of the country, never having never won a Super Bowl. And we can have no Tom Brady, no Archie Manning, no Peyton Manning, no Cooper Manning, no Eli Manning. We can have no Ben Roethlisberger. We can have no Patrick Mahomes. And guess what? We'll put Joe Burrow in a bunch of clothes. We'll take his picture as he's walking to the clubhouse. We're going to create a character out of him. Then we're going to keep focusing on Sean McVay, which we're going to get to in a second, who we're going to get to in a second. But Roger Goodell goes to bed last night, smiling, knowing that no matter what happens, no matter that Adrian Peterson gets arrested for domestic violence in Los Angeles International Airport on the day of the Super Bowl, and no one gives a tinker's damn. Why? Because it's the oldest rule in the book when it comes to bad press. You can try to remove the bad press by having good press. You can try to cut the legs off a bad story and just pretend it doesn't happen. You can respond to it and hope that your response carries the day. Or you can let it wallow over you like the stench that exists after you have been on an island for 39 days. And that stench disappears in a cloud of the most amazing perfume ever produced by a celebrity because people like to go to Super Bowl parties. People like to bet. People like events. It's an event. Everybody gets to forget about life for a while on the Sunday of Super Bowl. They watch the pregame. They spend time with their friends. They say, my diet, which started on January 1st, will start again the day after the Super Bowl. They'll eat more snacks, chips, dip, beer, drinks, smoke, do everything they normally would love to do, but always feel a little weird about doing, but then say it's Super Bowl Sunday. It's the greatest excuse day of all time. It doesn't matter what press Roger Goodell and the NFL get. 
There can be a story released the same day that Stephen Ross may have to sell his team. Sorry, Dolphins fans, or congratulations, Dolphins fans. Tom Brady may come back, he may not come back. Good luck, Tampa. None of it matters. The overnight ratings will come out, and they will show that more people watch this Super Bowl than any other Super Bowl. Of course, it's a bunch of horse hockey. Horse hockey, I say, because we're counting new people. Anyway, that's my number two takeaway, that there's no way the behavior of the NFL is ever going to change when we are the ones, we are the enablers. Us, you, me, and Dupree. And my number one Super Bowl takeaway, without a doubt, Sean McVay is the 36-year-old coach. He was hired at 30 years old, youngest coach hired. He's still the youngest coach, even with McDaniel and Taylor, the coach of the Bengals, at 38. Two Super Bowl appearances, one Super Bowl win, a bunch of his coordinators already out there, his coaching tree's already begun. This guy is at the top. May he step away from football? Is there a chance? He said, you know, I may have kids, I have a new wife, and I want to be there for my kids. This job is all-encompassing. Every time a coach says it's all-encompassing, I think about Jim Leland, who would sleep in the clubhouse, wouldn't want to go home ever. I would think about football coaches who, by the end of the season, they've gained 30 pounds. They live such an unhealthy life because of the hours they work and the film they study. And now with analytics, there's 10 more hours worth of work they can do in a day. Rumors already out there that Sean McVay would be the top guy to join TV, along with Sean Payton, who just retired from the New Orleans Saints job. Is it possible that Sean McVay is going to choose family over coaching? and choose being a full-time father other than being an announcer on TV? Is that possible that he will not try to come back? And what does that say about the sports world right now, where all of the information available, everything that's required, means the churning that goes on is second to none? My takeaway is Sean McVay, like Aaron Donald, will be back next year. It is impossible to walk away as a coach without trying to defend your Super Bowl. Because winning back-to-back -back Super Bowls, right now, Sean McVay is an ordinary Super Bowl winning coach. That's all he is. You win back-to-back, -back, you become extraordinary. You win back-to-back-to-back, -to -back -to -back, and you are historic, best ever. So, what's going on with that? And coaches and careers, and the lack of repeat champions in all these sports? Is anyone willing to acknowledge that the existence of the salary cap makes it very difficult to repeat? Is anyone willing to acknowledge how hard it is when you're playing elimination games and you have to win a divisional playoff if you get a bye, forget the wild card game, and then a conference championship, and then yet another game in the Super Bowl? I'm just throwing it out there. Repeating is never going to get easier. So maybe McVeigh says to himself, I'm never going to repeat. I might as well retire now. Nope, not going to happen. Okay, next. What I'm here for. The Super Bowl commercials. So who's with me on this? Many years ago, I would watch the Super Bowl and I would never get up. I wouldn't be interested in going to a party, and if I did go to a party, I would make sure that I was locked in from the beginning of the game to the end of the game. 
including commercial breaks, including halftime, because I wanted to see every Super Bowl commercial because it's the Academy Awards of commercials. The best commercials of the year are unveiled during the Super Bowl. And you hear rumors now and then, who's buying the time? By the way, $7 million for a 30-second commercial. $7 million. Well, I love social media, I guess. I'm super happy that it exists. It connects me to all of you, and I love communicating with you on Twitter at David P. Sampson. I enjoy it. Here's what I don't enjoy. Spoilers. How come I knew every Super Bowl commercial before they even aired? How come I had seen every Super Bowl commercial before it even aired? Well, these companies want these Super Bowl commercials to last, so they tease them. Some companies actually release the full Super Bowl commercial prior to the game. Then they figure out when else they're going to play them, hoping to God they don't get pelotoned, where the head person in their Super Bowl gets canceled pre-commercial, post-commercial immediately, and their entire investment goes up in smoke. Well, I still watch the commercials. And I'm going to give you my top five. The fifth best commercial. Here we go. Matthew McConaughey for Salesforce. I sort of like that idea because what he was saying is, you know, we can all move to the metaverse and try to be roommates with Mark Zuckerberg. See if we can see Jeff Bezos and Lauren hanging out. By the way, speaking of, I don't know where I just thought of this. Did you see the pregame Michael Buffer-like introduction that Dwayne The Rock Johnson did? Just between us, I don't have bicep envy in general because I don't lift weights and my body is what my body is. It, I can't kiss my muscle because I don't have muscles. I'm a runner. I've never been a big guy. When Dwayne Rock Johnson puts on the outfit and says, I'm going to go, because I was asked, and I have an investment in a competitive product, meaning the XFL, but if I'm going to be asked to start the Super Bowl game, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to wear an outfit that lets everybody know that I could be still an NFL player. What struck me about Dwayne Rock Johnson before the game started, he spoke for way too long. The players were on the field waiting to do the kickoff, and they must have been like, can we get this thing rolling already? Come on, man. Anyway, Matthew McConaughey did a commercial where he said, all this metaverse stuff is great, but how about the real world? How about right now? Salesforce, that's the fifth best commercial. Number four, when you can get a wife and an ex-wife to be friends and do a commercial when they're both famous, do you think Ashton Kutcher, Ashton Kutcher, okay, ready, Coca? I apologize. I screw up names. Three, six, nine. Wipe it. Starting now. If you can get two ex-wives, one ex-wife, one current wife, to get along, do a commercial, and you're Ashton Kutcher, do you say, I'm excited to see that? Do you say, well, this conscious uncoupling has worked so well that we're all friends and we do satyrs together? Well, Mila Kunis and Demi Moore did an AT&T commercial, and it was awesome. I'm not switching from T-Mobile. I'm just saying it was awesome. Although after the Dolly Parton, Miley Cyrus commercial, maybe I should switch from T-Mobile, but I'm not going to because actually none of the commercials make me want to go out and buy a damn Chevy because they break down. 
Number three, how about all the crypto commercials? I'm not even going to talk about Coinbase. Yeah, I am. Coinbase is that commercial that had the QR codes. I'm sitting there watching that commercial. I had not seen a preview, had not heard they were doing a commercial. At first, I thought I was watching Pong on my TV because this QR code is bouncing off the walls and I'm waiting for the ball to come out and for the QR code to hit the ball against the side of the TV and then the ball would score and then all of a sudden we know what the commercial was about. Meanwhile, it didn't occur to me to scan the code because why would I bother getting off the couch? Although I could have pointed the camera at the TV, scan the code and press play. But then I thought, what if this is a problem with my streaming service? And what if Peacock is all screwed up right now? And this is like the old days where they put the colored bars on the TV and you hear the emergency broadcast signal. Maybe there was a major problem, the world was coming to an end and I was gonna get hacked. Or if I put my phone to the QR code, all of a sudden that would be it. It would be the end of days. So I just watch it all happen and it goes on and on and on. And I still don't know what the hell it is. That doesn't make my top five. But if you're going to spend $7 million for a commercial that's going to be the talk of the Super Bowl, I've got one bit of advice. Jesse Eisenberg said it well in The Social Network when he said, we don't crash ever. Remember when Andrew Garfield shut down the servers over ten grand or something in the movie The Social Network and Mark Zuckerberg got so furious and that was the end of the relationship with Andrew Garfield even before he became Tick, Tick, Boom or was dating Emma Stone. And... I was thinking, if you're Coinbase and you're doing a commercial and you want people to go to your site by clicking on your QR code or learning about what that commercial was because you want them to trade cryptocurrencies, which you might as well just give your money away if you want. And by the way, Coca could use it. You can't have your site crash. The LVP of Super Bowl Sunday is clearly Coinbase because they had an opportunity to take advantage of this ridiculous Pong-like QR code commercial and instead their server went down. G-A-M-E-O-V-E-R. Number three, Larry David. Larry David did a commercial. They spent 14 million coca? Was that a 60 second spot? No. Was that QR code going up and down my TV from side to side for a full minute? I am blown away by that. Although it did seem super long to me, actually. Anyway, number three, Larry David did an FTX. That's another cryptocurrency. I think they've named both where the heat play. I think that they're throwing their money around. Well, it's your money around. Larry David dresses up as people throughout history talking about all things that aren't good. Someone comes to him with an invention of the fork. He says, I don't need a fork. I use my hands. They come to him with a light bulb. He says, Edison, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Who the hell needs electricity? Someone comes to him with a wheel and he says, the wheel? What would I ever need a wheel for? Trying to show that Larry David doesn't know anything about nothing. So then someone goes up to him and says, what do you think of our cryptocurrency? He says, ah, that'll never work. And I'm never wrong. And you're supposed to say, oh my God, he's always wrong, which means I'm gonna definitely invest in cryptocurrency because of course, if Larry David thinks it's not gonna work, then it is gonna work because we know that he didn't believe in electricity. Are you kidding me? I love the commercial though, because I love Larry David. Number two, 
people are not giving this enough love, and that bothers me greatly. How do you not give love to Scarlett Johansson and Colin Jost when you look at him and say, now they said uh, the celebrity hot couple, I agree, he's on Saturday Night Live. Does anyone think that Colin Jost is not Eddie the Eagle? Does anyone think that he's not over his skis? Does he not give hope to all of us who could somehow find a way? Well, they did a commercial for Amazon, Alexa, about what would happen if Alexa could read minds. And I came out of that singing Fleetwood Mac. I thought it was clever. I thought it was interesting. People said they mailed it in. That's just Scarlett Johansson. She didn't mail it in. She got paid good money. I'm very sad I can't have Eugene Levy in my top five. But Scarlett Johansson, Alexa, number two. And the number one commercial in the Super Bowl. You guys are going to be shocked by this. And you may say, is this because your daughter's boyfriend worked on this commercial? No. This is because when I watched the commercial, I didn't know he worked on the commercial, even though I'd been told he did, and I had forgotten which one he was working on. He worked on the E-Trade Baby commercial. And I'm watching the E-Trade Baby commercial, looking at him be a lumberjack, etc. And I'm thinking to myself, this is awesome. They're bringing the baby back. How cool is that? I'm definitely going to start trading on E-Trade. Top commercial, E-Trade Baby commercial. Ah, Do you know what happens now? The next network, and I should have prepared for this, Coca. Who's got the Super Bowl next year? I th- it can't be CBS. It can't be NBC. It can't be ABC. Fox, does Fox have next year? Can you do a quick check? Wow, are they going to lose Aikman to Amazon and have to have Joe Buck with a new analyst for the first time call a Super Bowl? Anyway, whoever has the Super Bowl, and wherever it is, because I'm already forgetting where it is, Fox does have it, and it is not, it's in New, is it New Orleans? No, I think you've got Vic, Glendale, Arizona. It's true. I just read this. The Super Bowl next year is going to be played indoors where the Arizona Coyotes are playing their home games starting next season. That's amazing. Those tickets are going to be super expensive. All right. When we come back, we are, I know where the Coyotes are playing Coca. I'm going to commercial. I was making a joke because the Coyotes are playing in front of 5,000 people and the Super Bowl is not. Yeah, I understand. I understand you didn't think it was fun. Can we go to commercial yet or not? Okay. When we come back, I'm going to tell you about a weekend of movie making, and we are going to give a eulogy to one of my all-time favorite directors who passed away this weekend. We'll be right back. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. How are you? I appreciate your time. I appreciate the engagement at Twitter at David P. Sampson. You can rate, review, and follow me on Spotify if you still use Spotify. Or there's Stitcher and Overcast and Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs. And, of course, Apple where you can rate and review and tell people about nothing personal. We watch a movie a day. It is Oscar season, and there are three movies that are not streaming that are nominated for Oscars that I have to see. Going into the weekend, I had to see Drive My Car, Worst Person in the World, Licorice Pizza, and West Side Story. So what do you do on a random Saturday pre-Super Bowl when there's no NFL playoff games, there's no baseball games, it's too cold to run outside, you run inside, you get your workout in, and then you do a double feature. Boom! I saw Worst Person in the World, which I'm going to review tomorrow, and I saw Licorice Pizza after having dinner. So movie, dinner, movie. And I had a terrible epiphany because I love movies. The epiphany I had is I'm so used to watching on my couch on a big TV where I can relax, can lay down, have a little blankie. And given the fact that I've got what I think is undiagnosed ADD, and I don't say that lightly, um, what were we talking about? I can't remember. Oh, why I have an issue with going to a theater twice, two movies with the dinner in between. I couldn't sit still. I had the antsiest, jumpiest legs. And when I'm watching a movie at home, which I do after recording a show, I watch a movie to make sure I'm ready and have enough movies to review because I do watch one every day. But I can get up. I can check my phone. I can get a drink, not alcohol. Then I can get some food, get some lunch, then come back, check my phone, see what the breaking news is. Well, I don't use a phone in a theater because there's nothing more rude than that. I don't talk in a theater, but I really did have trouble sitting through two movies. All right, Licorice Pizza. Licorice Pizza is a movie about Paul Thomas Anderson, who I didn't know has been married to Maya Rudolph, not married, partners with Maya Rudolph for 20 years, four kids. Was not aware of that. Was aware that he does movies like There Will Be Blood. Unbelievable movie, as you know. Boogie Nights, one of the best. He did a movie called Licorice Pizza. How many of you know what Licorice Pizza was before you saw this movie? Do you know Licorice Pizza is a record store in L.A. back in the 70s? Do you know Licorice Pizza, capital L, capital P, stands for LP? Those are vinyl records, folks. That's how people used to listen to music. You needed a needle. You needed a needle that didn't scratch. There were several things I was not allowed to touch in my house growing up. One of the things, don't touch that record player. You're going to scratch the needle. I had my own record player that was like the $15 record player. I was allowed to listen to vinyl records when I was sick. So I'd have the record player next to my bed, which was a single bed. And I would have these albums like Really Rosie, which is one of the great albums with Carole King and Breakfast in America, Super Tramp and albums like that. But always worried about the needle and trying to count the grooves. You could figure out if you want to just play song four, you'd have to count to see where the big groove is. At least 70% of the audience has no idea what I'm talking about. Well, GTS, if you don't mind. So that's the name, Licorice Pizza. 
The star of the movie is Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman, a guy who's 18 who had never acted. The other star is a 30-year-old Grammy-nominated musician named Alana Haim. She plays a 25-year-old who sort of falls for a 15-year-old, and I was thinking, that's a bit creepy. Sort of illegal. But the movie is brilliant. The movie has guest starring appearances from the likes of Leonardo DiCaprio's father. Bradley Cooper plays real-life producer, former Barbara Streisand, hairdresser, and boyfriend John Peters. Sean Penn shows up, sort of like in a William Holden character, Evil Knievel. There's so much going on in this movie, and you don't want it to end. People are saying, oh, it goes a little long. Nope. It was perfect. Licorice Pizza is a movie that if you haven't gone to the theater to see, you could wait for it to stream because you don't need to see it on a big screen. But my, oh my, is it worth seeing. So I'm having a problem here, Coca, and I'm not sure what to do about it. I, I am scared of death. I could spend an entire show on that fact. I don't know how to get over it. My obsession with it is not an, it's, it's about the permanence of it. And you know that 21, 2021 was a horrible year for me in terms of family deaths. And I'm impacted in very strange ways by people I don't know who die, who mean something to me, and people I don't know who die, who die in terrible ways. It's not that I am, what's the word, Coca, please? I'm right at, the, at this space in the document. Can you tell me what word I'm thinking right now? I'm not obsessed with death. I'm not the grim reaper, but that's not the word. I am... Um, I'm cognizant of my own mortality. I do a lot of math during the course of a day where I'm thinking to myself, wow, I'm 53 years old. I had the epiphany, remember, on the, the, wedding, the wedding day of my daughter, I had the epiphany that when I got married, my parents were younger than I was at the wedding of my daughter. And to me, I thought they were old and I think I'm young. But at the end of the day, I must not be young. But I tell people I'm in the fourth inning because I think I want to live to be 100. I'd like to, assuming I don't have to, well, you know, the things you don't want to do when you get old. I want to be able to do the things I do now when I get old. I want to keep running, among other things. But sometimes, and more so now, I feel like people are dying who were such a huge part of my life and they're dying every day. Didn't used to be that way. It used to be a little less common and that's because as I'm older, the people who I grew up with and the people who I looked up to, whether I knew them or not, they're starting to die because it turns out I'm old. So every time someone dies, it reminds me that I'm getting older and it freaks me out, I admit it. Now I don't sit in the house and I don't feel sorry for myself. I'm still out there doing stuff like going away and going on running trips and doing some crazy things, which I'm going to be doing in 2022. But then I woke up this morning and I saw that Ivan Reitman had passed away at only 75 years old. Ivan Reitman, who directed the movies of my, that really were the, maybe along with John Hughes, some of the most important movies of my childhood, Meatballs, Stripes, Dave, Twins, he produced Up in the Air, which was directed by his son. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters 2. Draft Day. Ivan Reitman was brilliant. He found a way to make movies that would last forever. 75 years old. 
It's just way too young. Rest in peace, Ivan, and thank you. I appreciate the work you did more than you know. All right, nothing personal pick of the day. God, what a crappy weekend went 0-2. Can we talk about the fact that the, the NBA is just hard? Hawks were giving eight to the Spurs on Friday night. Forget not covering. They got their ass kicked. And then we get to the Super Bowl. The line was four. I go Rams minus four over the Bengals. I think the Rams are going to cover. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I don't want to tell you to take the money line, even though I wish I didn't have to deal with spreads. The Rams score, not a recap show, but they score in the first quarter, the first half, whenever they score. They go for the extra point, and they fumble the snap. The holder gets the ball, he drops the ball, and the extra point misses. Every time you miss an extra point, even when it's early in the game, everyone says to themselves, my oh my, that may come back to cost you, haunt you, punish you, and it did. The Rams won by three. They didn't cover. Now, you're saying it would have been a push. You're right. I'm 21 and 16. My pick for tonight. I have a weird thing about picks of the day. Now, I'm 21 and 16 as we head post-Super Bowl. We're going to stick with NBA until baseball season starts, which it may start. It may not start. I don't know when it's going to start. But all I can tell you is I'm not going to go down without a fight. The Spurs crushed me Friday night. See you later, Spurs. We're going against you again. The Chicago Bulls minus four and a half over the Spurs. I will not give up until the Spurs don't cover. Mark my words. And believe me, I'm stubborn enough to do it. Bulls minus four and a half over Spurs. Now, if you were paying attention to my props, we went two and five, whatever. Tails, nope, it was heads. OBJ over five and a half receptions, nope, he got hurt, had below five. Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase over 15 and a half receptions total, nope, it went under. Each over 80 yards, I don't know, it didn't matter because they did have over 15 and a half receptions. How about an over 50 yard touchdown by either Stafford or Burrow? Boom on one of the worst calls ever. How about the referees? You think that Roger Goodell and the commissioner and the people in operations don't speak to referees before big games? I've told you 20 times they do. How obvious was it? I'm just, I'm just curious. First play of the third quarter, a 75-yard touchdown pass. Boom, that prop ends up being right. Joe Burrow. But did you see the offensive pass interference? where he literally grabbed the face mask, the Bengals player did, of the Rams defender, that Jalen Ramsey guy who's pretty good. Why was Jalen Ramsey in our show recently? We did a whole segment on Jalen Ramsey. Was he a holdout? There was something about Jalen Ramsey that got him on nothing personal. I don't know what it was. But in any case, Jalen Ramsey got absolutely beaten because he got his head twisted off and then fell, and then the Bengals guy catches it. So then, no review, they do the extra point. No holding calls. The the refs are swallowing their whistles, they're letting them play, until the end of the game. And all of a sudden, defensive holding on the Bengals. Pass interference on the Bengals. Now, they were holding, they were interfering, but there was plenty of that going on in the first three and a half quarters. The referees got together and they said, all right, we're going to let him play, but we cannot stop 
a result by swallowing our whistle. I always had a problem with that. How do you call the game differently in the ninth inning than you do in the second inning? It's like people who say games in April don't matter in baseball. It's 162 games. All that matters are games in September or August. And I would always tell our players, there's no difference between a game in April and September. They count the same in the standings. Now, when you're playing against someone in your division, those are two games because you go up a game, and when you beat a team in your division, that they go down a game. So that's a two-game swing that you control. If you're going to swallow your whistle in a big game like the Super Bowl, you swallow it and you don't regurgitate until the game is over. You don't choose the final drive as the time to take the yellow rag out of your pocket. It's like teams waiting to try to win till September. It doesn't work. You got to win the April games. How about Evan McPherson? The guy is the kicker for the Cincinnati Bengals. I couldn't have been happier watching him. They showed him watching the Super Bowl halftime show, which, by the way, has gotten a lot of attention. We didn't even talk about it. I thought it was a great halftime show. Was it better than last year's? Eh, I'm not so sure. Was it better than Prince, which I was able to see in Miami? Not even close. Would I prefer The Who? Springsteen? The Stones? Jennifer Lopez? Justin Timberlake? Janet Jackson? I don't know. I like being entertained. It was entertaining. It was fine. It was fine. And Evan McPherson watched the whole thing. I love that. They're fans. He didn't have a field goal of more than 50 yards. Joe Burrow, more than 274 and a half yards passing. Not quite, 263. How about Matthew Stafford, more than 279 and a half yards passing? Yes, he had 283. What's the moral of the prop story? The moral of the prop story is they're fun. It's fun to keep track of. It's like doing Super Bowl squares. If you don't have 7-3 or 3-0 or 0-0, although 6-0 ended up being a good one, I think, at one point yesterday, during yesterday's game. But if you don't have any of the good ones, you're probably going to lose. But it's just fun to, like, keep track of stuff. I wouldn't do it for a living. I wouldn't do it on regular games. But Super Bowl, why not? So my overall review of the football season, of the playoffs— Do you know these were the best playoffs in history? The total margin of victory from the divisional playoffs to the conference championships to the Super Bowl? Every game was close. It's like a dream come true. So, as we end this Super Bowl edition, you know that tomorrow we're going to cover baseball. There was a lot of activity going on with MLB, with the lockout. We had a big meeting that took place on Saturday, and I promise you we will cover that tomorrow because, frankly, nothing's going to change in baseball from today till tomorrow. And if we're going to get clicks today and downloads, you got to talk Super Bowl. And so we did. But as I conclude the football season, there has been no greater example than this season in football, than the National Football League, and their credo without a doubt, as they look at all the people who wonder about the behavior of players on and off the field, who wonder about the hiring practices of executives, who wonder about all the things that happen, at the end of the day, it's just business. Sorry, everybody else. 
it's nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.